Hello, and welcome to a special First Quantum podcast, How to Have Difficult Conversations. We all have to have them. The question is, how can we make sure they go as well as they possibly can? I'm Robin Kermode. I'm a communications coach. I was an actor for many years, but for the last 20 years, I've been working with senior leaders around the world, from the worlds of politics, business, engineering, startup, all over. I'm so interested in how we connect with other human beings and how we make sure that every conversation we have goes as well as it possibly can. And if we think of the first quantum values of bolder, smarter, driven together, in difficult conversations, this really comes down to bolder being unafraid, speaking with candor. If we can put candor at the heart of all our conversations, then we'll create a culture where we can be more open and more honest. And that allows us to develop as human beings, as individuals, and improve us as organizations. This is how, of course, we want to grow the business. Smarter is about being clear, whether it's development conversations or difficult conversations, driven about looking for good outcomes for both parties. And together is about bringing people together on the journey with you. And of course, as one of the leaders at First Quantum, bringing the values of bolder, smarter, driven together into your conversations will help hugely. Okay, difficult conversations. Now, the first thing I would say is that if we think we're going to have a difficult conversation, we almost certainly are. Because you know what it's like if you walk down the corridor thinking, okay, I'm going to have a difficult conversation. You're almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy creating that energy. If we go in with a calm, gentle energy, almost like I'm going to have a constructive discussion with someone, maybe a performance review, rather than thinking I'm going to have a difficult conversation with them. If we choose a noisy venue, it's not going to be conducive, of course, and a public place may not or may not be helpful. One thing that I do find very helpful is walking. If you have a walking conversation and you're both facing forward, I've found this with my children, actually. If you want to have a a good conversation with them, often the car is a good idea with children, partly because they can't escape, but also you're both looking forward and they feel less eyeballed. I think the same is true in business conversations as well. Set this meeting when you have enough time. If you feel rushed, then inevitably you're going to speak fast, and that's probably going to create a tense atmosphere. So choose the appropriate venue and give yourself enough time. Then I think it's important that we are clear about what outcome we want from the meeting before we go in. Once we know what we want, then we have time to listen. Now, if you buy a table or something from Ikea and you take it home and you put it together and there's one bit missing, you get very angry because you now have to get back in your car and wait in the returns queue. What you want the person the other side of the desk to do is actually to repeat back what they've heard. This tells you that you've been listened to. After that, they can apologize and after that, they can give you a spare part. But the first thing that people want is to be heard. So take time to listen. In other words, don't try to jump in and fix it. Then repeat back what you've heard. That way, you value their side of the argument. You don't have to agree with their side of the argument, but you do have to make them feel like they've been listened to. I think if you're doing something like a performance review, it's helpful to ask them how they think they're doing rather than blundering straight in with, I think we're going to have to have words now because your performance review is not up to standard and you haven't been hitting your KPIs, etc. There's a wonderful apocryphal story from Piers Morgan, who is a famous British newspaper editor, And when he was editor of one of the tabloids, he called in the lady who wrote the Daily Horoscope column. And he said to her, I assume you know why you're here. And if you don't know why you're here, then that's why you're here, because you write the horoscopes and you should know, which I thought was very funny. So I think ask them what they feel about the situation and then listen is very important. 
I have a wonderful doctor I've had for years, and he told me once, he asks a patient how they are and how he can help at the start of the consultation, and then he never says anything for 60 seconds. He just listens. That way, he says he gets a much clearer idea of what's going on and how the patient is feeling. If you have a difficult conversation where the outcome is essentially binary, where you're saying to somebody, I'm afraid that you're fired or here's some bad news, rather like the police, they're taught when they knock on someone's door to give them some bad news that maybe a relative has been caught up in an accident or something. First of all, of course, they establish they're talking to the right person, and then they go straight into what the problem is. What you don't want to do is call someone in for a performance review and say, hello, how are you doing? How's the family? And by the way, you're fired. If you're going to have a binary conversation like that, I think you need to say, thank you for coming in. We have some difficult news for you this morning. I'm afraid we are having to let some people go. It might then be sensible to give somebody time to go away and process that information before you have a proper conversation and maybe meet up with them in half an hour's time. But I think if you do have to deliver a very difficult message, I would say don't spend too long on the niceties, get straight into it. If you're having a coaching conversation, on the other hand, which is not a binary one, then I think it's important to listen well. If we're trying to create this sense of calmness, I think we should be not too demonstrative physically. In other words, not make too many bold crossing the arms, this kind of thing. I would say, keep our voice calm. I remember I had a conversation with my daughter when she was about 13, and she said, can I stay out till midnight? And I said, well, no, you have to be back by 10.30. And she said, yes, but if it's 10.35, that's okay. And I said, no, you have to be back by 10.30. And she said, yes, but if it's 10.31, that's still okay, isn't it? And I said, no, it has to be 10.30. I was very conscious that I needed to keep my own voice calm and firm with clear boundaries. But as soon as I raised my voice and said, no, it has to be 10.30, then I've created an unhelpful atmosphere. The conversation won't go how I want it to go. So ultimately, I think it really is about us keeping calm, listening, and allowing them the space to say what they want to say. I mentioned voice then, and I think it's interesting as to how we can help keep our voice more centered. A couple of simple things we can do here. One, is if you hold your hands in prayer position with your palms facing upwards and your forearms parallel to the floor, take one breath in and then as you breathe out, push the two hands together. So breathe in and then as you breathe out, push the hands together. It releases any tension in the throat. You can also shake the hands before you go in to get rid of any tension. The most important vocal technique before a perceived difficult conversation is to breathe into your lower stomach. So you could experiment with this at home or in your office. If you sit forward on a chair with your feet flat on the ground, put your hand below your belly button and breathe in for a count of three and out for a count of three like that. But consciously breathe into your belly, into your gut, below the belly button. If you can align your breath with your emotional center, actually, which is the gut, if you can align your breath with that, your voice is going to sound calmer, you're going to sound more balanced and more empathetic. And also, you won't lose your temper. I would say getting the voice right is incredibly important. Another question people often ask me is, should a difficult conversation happen by text, by email, or by phone, or face-to-face? Ideally, of course, face-to-face is always better, and as soon as possible, as soon as the event has happened. So maybe you have a problem with a client and you haven't delivered on time and you need to go and apologize or have this challenging conversation with a colleague. It's important that we do everything we can to show them that we understand that we've made a mistake and we need to explain how we can solve it. An email is the coward's way out, really. The next best thing is to pick up the telephone and speak to somebody so they can hear your voice, they can hear your intonation, and face-to-face if it's at all possible. The other thing to remember is that the news you're giving is neutral. 
So the news is neutral, your content is neutral, your attitude to it will not be. So you will have an attitude to that and they will have an attitude, but the message you're giving itself is actually neutral. Sometimes this can help us take the sting out of it. Again, all this is about anticipation. If we think it's going to be a difficult meeting, then it will be. Rather like if you watch somebody giving a speech and they hold their notes and they're shaking because they're nervous and you hear this, the vibration of those sound waves causes the reaction in the audience. If we consciously think of our voice as being calmer, rather than those fast up and down sound waves, we think of a calm one. We can still have clear boundaries, but we don't have to ever to raise our temper in a challenging conversation. So if you want to be a bold leader, it doesn't mean you have to shout or anything like that, of course. It just means you have clear boundaries. Maybe you only have to say it once and stop talking. I think that's a great way to come across as being bold and strong. Smarter is about thinking, of course. It's about being curious. Why does the other person think differently to you? Driven means, of course, we want to come to a good outcome, but we don't necessarily have to do it too quickly. We want to get to the outcome, but we don't have to rush it. And together, of course, means that at the end of a perceived difficult or challenging meeting, we still want to be together. Now, unless you're firing somebody, you want them still to be part of your team. You want a client still to work with you, a customer still to buy from you. The together part is incredibly important. And if we think of what happens afterwards, what happens after a difficult or challenging meeting, the answer is we still want to be together. And I think if we think about some of those things before we go into a meeting, we have a chance that difficult meetings won't be quite so difficult in the future. And I think if you can do that, of course, you will come across as a bold, a smart, a driven and a together leader. I wish you the very best of luck and I look forward to speaking to you again at some stage. Music